It is Grapefruit League time. Time is relative, except in pitching. They've brought clocks to baseball, and you've got eight seconds to get alert. It's episode 12 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. Welcome to Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm alongside Sports Map Houston senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. You can follow him on Twitter at Palillo and read his weekly columns on SportsMap.com. Next to him is SportsMap.com editor and host of ESPN 97.5 and 92.5's Moneyline, Josh Jordan. Follow him on Twitter at Josh Jordan 975. Charlie, Josh, welcome in. Life is good. When the very first games of spring training with the Astros are roughly, oh, I don't know, a billion more times interesting than Rockets games that theoretically count. Play ball. Astros find themselves at one and two so far in the Grapefruit League, although the results do not matter. Uh, all eyes are on the clock. Yes, a clock in baseball. We'll get to those reactions in a moment. Uh, let's start with Monday's starter, Forrest Whitley. We've spoken at length about Whitley on this podcast. 25-year-old, previous top prospect in the organization. Monday gave up two runs on four hits, two extra base hits, and 35 pitches. Said he felt good, liked the execution of his pitches, would have changed some pitch selection situationally. Gents, what are your thoughts on Forrest Whitley? Well, I mean, it would have been nice to have him go two innings, no runs, four strikeouts, blowing guys away. And it didn't work out that way. Four hits in the two innings. But there's really not much more to be read out of a first start from any pitcher than there is to thinking, uh-oh, the new timing rules. Altuve's washed up. Three at-bats, three strikeouts in his spring, JB. Better trade him or release him while you can. Uh, Whitley's facing an uphill climb, right? He hasn't pitched well in the minor leagues in multiple years uh, I can't see him making a push to make this team out of spring training. Obviously, there's one vacancy created by McCullers being down. But without another injury, I don't think you want Whitley pitching every once in a while as a sixth starter or every fourth day out of the bullpen as your number eight reliever. Uh, his goal should be to stay healthy, get to Sugarland, and there hopefully pave his path to the majors. Yeah, I mean, it. I was hoping for a little more, but you know, it's early. I'm not going to go crazy. The good thing, if we look at the the silver lining and no walks today, he was almost at seven walks per nine innings in Sugarland uh, last year in his limited time there. So clearly something he's going to have to clean up. And uh, hey, so far it looked good today. He wasn't walking a bunch of guys. I thought he got squeezed on a few pitches too. I'd say my biggest concern with him is as hard as he throws and good breaking stuff, all that, he, he seems to get barreled up more than you would like. Um, a little more movement would be nice. You just, uh, the, the balls that he leaves over the plate, the, there's plenty of contact happening. And we saw that uh, early today. So, you know, it, it's early. We'll see how it goes. He did fill up the strike zone for looking for positives. Uh, he mentioned that as well, that he, he was uh, happy that he was able to hit the zone as much as he was for a team that has lost Verlander and will be missing McCullers for, the foreseeable future. Maybe it's just for a few weeks, uh, but they definitely won't start the season with him. Uh, this team is in need of finding some uh, pitching depth. And granted, uh, I think Seth Martinez is probably going to be a guy who uh, fills that role. Uh, we saw him uh, on Monday as well. 
uh, six innings. These innings are insane. You blink and you miss them and, and some opportunities. They they are no longer able to have these long drawn out conversations or anecdotal stories. Uh, they had, uh, I, I believe it was uh, T.O. In, uh, in the booth today. I think they got maybe two answers out of him and had to cut to break. So it was, uh, it's pretty funny. I think not only are the players uh, getting used to this clock, but the uh, the broadcasters and and even just us as viewers will be getting used to it as well. Uh, another guy that I wanted to uh, talk about was uh, Justin Jardin. Uh First Astros home run of spring training was from 25-year-old Justin Jardin, and he followed it up with another homer on Monday. He is three for three with two homers in the Grapefruit League. I mean, we know that the uh, the Astros are looking for some answers long-term uh, to plug some of these holes for guys who might be leaving. Uh, Charlie, what are your thoughts on uh, this early glimpse of Justin Jordan? Well, I mean, he qualifies as the, the deep sleeper. Uh, Dubon is going to make the team. Jake Myers? If Durden kills it this spring and Meyer scuffles, one advantage that Durden does have if he can carve out some turf for himself is he bats left-handed. And as we talked during the course of the offseason, Jazz McCormick clobbered left-handed pitching, got clobbered by right-handed pitching. It would be a natural platoon-type spot. Uh, Durden played ample center field in the minors last year. Uh, you know, he killed it in single A and double A, did not hit very well after getting promoted to the Space Cowboys. But we're talking 30, 40 games there. Uh, 25 years old, late bloomer, but not ancient bloomer with his opportunity after a college career that was disrupted by injuries and wrecked his draft status. So I wouldn't be loading up on Durden's stock just yet, but uh, he's in the fight. Uh, the fight club, one might say, for Durden, uh, maybe climbing into the battle with Jake Myers for that extra outfield spot because Dubon is certainly going to have one of them. Yeah, we talked about him on the podcast. One of the guys, Chandler Rome, said could be a surprise this spring. And, hey, look what we've already seen. So, you know, you hope for the best. Like, you know, like Charlie said, he didn't do that great when he went to uh, AAA last year. But, you know, new year, new opportunities and He's one of those guys where, where COVID kind of changed his trajectory a little bit where he went undrafted because there were only five rounds that were drafted that year. So we'll see. There'll be plenty of opportunity for him out there. And huh, so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Another guy impacted by, does Michael Brantley answer the bell for opening day? And the early signs are you know, starting to hit against some live pitching. I mean, you're taking grounders at first base just for positional flexibility. Though there'll be no regular diet for Brantley at first base. I'm not even sure there'd be a, a slight diet for him there. Uh, but if Brantley's going to stretch out his spring training a little bit, that opens up some at-bats. Brantley, a left-handed hitter. If you wanted a left-handed hitter alternative for off the bencher to get in a start or two per week in the meantime, uh, I don't even want to uh, contemplate the idea that what if Brantley's not ready and somehow what if Jordan Alvarez is not ready? We anticipate the uh, big man making his spring debut sometime in the next few days. It is nice to have some of these younger guys with a pop in the bat, though, that you can put in pinch hit roles. Or We saw uh, J.J. Manichevich also on Monday as well. It's a guy who carries some pop in the bat. Maybe not a guy that you want to rely on necessarily, but it's nice to have uh, some of these young guys that are sitting there and, and in the right opportune moments can uh, can do something for you. Uh, you know, on the, uh, on the subject of, of depth, uh, Charlie, you and I were talking pre-show a little bit about Ronel Blanco. We saw Blanco in uh, Saturday's game against the Mets, one inning, three strikeouts. Looked filthy. What do you see out of Blanco? 
I mean, look, part of the fun of, of being a fan, and especially if you're an Astros fan, where you're thinking they have the Midas touch. Right? They touch someone, he'll turn into gold, even if he wasn't a heralded prospect or a high draft choice or a bonus baby. It was one glorious spring training inning against a hodgepodge uh, Mets lineup. He turns 30 years old this year. His minor league career is not one of great distinction, uh, trouble with walks and, and home runs, uh, but necessity as the mother of invention. Right, The Astros' rotational depth is thinned out. If they incur one more injury, knock on wood, against it, but if Forrest Whitley is not ready, who would be the next alternative? Is there a relief pitcher that they could consider stretching out some? Uh, Dana Brown was, uh, I think, at least in part tongue-in-cheek, but uh, not entirely facetious that he happened to be sitting in on the telecast and mentioned, uh, wow, this guy's a reliever? Maybe we should think about stretching him out. You always want to have your emergency guy. Uh, Brian Abreu hasn't been a starter since 2019, but that was his original path in the in the minor leagues. But now he is part of that lights-out bullpen. I don't think they would want to tinker with that by thinking, well, maybe can, uh, if you need a starter, go consider Abreu for that role You know, when they're so five loaded deep in the bullpen. Um, so I wouldn't anticipate Blanco having a role. I wouldn't anticipate him pushing for the left-handed role in the bullpen relative to Blake Taylor and, and the waiver claim guy, Justin Gage. But, hey, you know what? Good for him. A morsel that can get him to be at least a blip on the Astros' radar to bear watching. And you know what? For Blanco's sake, if, if not for him, uh, if not with the Astros, maybe there's a, another team uh, that the Astros could trade a 29-year-old pitcher for a lower-level minor leaguer who might become something here. Yeah, we uh, talked about that uh, last week, Brandon, with, with John Garnado about maybe Brian Abreu, Peter Gammons put out that tweet about some teams see him as a, a, a top three in the rotation type starter. He, we talked about he did get some starts in with, I believe it was the Dominican Winter League before last season. He got some starts, but he was only going a little under four innings in those starts. It wasn't like he was, you know, going seven innings, anything like that. So I, I, I think it's in case of emergency break glass. I think they want to leave Abreu in that role. They finally got something special with him. Why tinker with it if you don't have to? I think it's going to be like Brandon Belak or a Seth Martinez bullpen game if they need something else in their rotation. Yeah, I don't know. The rugged start he got off to uh, had people. I don't know that there was ever a Jake Odorizzi fan club. But whatever membership it might have had, it was abandoned ship on Jake Odorizzi. But once he got right, he gave him some good starts and helped cover some innings for them uh, early in the season. And as the Astros got whole and had other options and McCullers was getting ready to make his way, right, the Astros could move on and clear clear the, the money. Um, you know, that kind of guy. And it was interesting to – I mean, Dusty Baker wasn't taking a shot at Jim Crane – but Dusty over the weekend saying, well, yeah, I'd like to add a veteran starter, but we didn't have a general manager in the offseason to, to make that happen. So maybe Dana Brown is a guy who makes that happen, though it's pretty clear that Brown would like to cast his lot, roll some dice with younger guys. Uh, but if there's a, a swingman type, you know, an Odorizzi type uh, available, maybe that is an avenue the Astros can wander down and explore. It is interesting we, because we talked about in that video that uh, uh, Josh mentioned where there's the possibility of, and, and we've really heard this chatter mainly from national uh, baseball people. We haven't really heard that locally from, and especially not from any of the Astros uh, organization about Brian Abreu and his uh, past and starting and kind of his prospect as a starter. But 
there was kind of the talk about how they've flexed uh, a guy like Christian Javier back and forth from a, a multi-inning uh, long relief person into and in that starting role. Uh, are you a fan of that? Like, you know, someone not really knowing their role and kind of, you know, being that person who kind of gets flexed in and out, or would you prefer them, especially with a guy who's had kind of the bumpy history that Abreu has, you know, sh- telling him this is what your role is. And then him having the, I guess, security and knowing that's his role. Well, as I opened with, and Josh further alluded to, you know, Abreu really found that niche in the second half. He was dominant in the postseason. He was awesome. Uh, Ryan Stanek, free agent after this year. Hector Neris, free agent after this year. Rafael Montero was fantastic last season, but it was his first good season in the major leagues. Presley expect to be money. He's under contract for two years. So I don't know if Abreu's arc is to become the number one setup guy or maybe in a couple of years where the Astros control him until the 2040s. Uh, maybe he's their next closer. But there is more value in a starting pitcher who gives you 150 innings and a full-time starter, 150 innings qualifies as full-time starter in this era, uh, that brings more value than a number four reliever who gives you 60 innings, no matter how good they are. Um, so again, first world, rich people's problems that the Astros have, and, and they hope they avoid needing to make a decision like that with a Abreu. Uh, I think they would lean other directions, but if those other directions aren't working out, or if after a year where the Astros had pretty high-level health from their rotation – uh-oh, multiple leaks uh, spring from the medical tent, then maybe you contemplate it more seriously. But their bullpen was historically great in the playoffs. Abreu was at the heart of it, right? He moved up the totem pole. And, hey, what happened to Ryan, Ryan Stanek? is 1.15 ERA, and, and he's like the number five guy. Um, so, you know, let, let Abreu follow up on his excellence of last season uh, before I would be thinking, well, maybe let's throw him in the rotation. Yeah, I'm with Charlie there, and – Hunter Brown's the guy where you'd be okay with that if, you know, if McCullers comes back and, you know, you have to use Hunter Brown in between the rotation and the bullpen because you saw him do it last year and you saw Christian Javier do it. You want to lean on guys that that have done it before. But, of course, that depends on uh, what happens with Lance's elbow. Well, guys, we teased it in the cold open. And the pitch clock has been all the talk of spring training, how pitchers respond, how will it impact uh, pitchers' timings and the hitters' timing. Uh, We've seen a minimal amount of infractions for the Astros. uh, I believe no infractions so far during Grapefruit League and very minimal infractions across the league for all of the complaining. We did get some uh, quotes out of uh, Kyle Tucker on this particular subject, Kyle talked about how he felt rushed at the plate. He said, uh, you know, these pitchers are the best pitchers in the world and you're giving them more of an advantage uh, and you have to rush it in the box. And it takes away some of the thought process that goes into hitting. It does take a little bit of the cat and mouse game away from it. But guys, I'm looking at the times for the last three games here. Two hours and 33 minutes, two hours and seven minutes, two hours and 19 minutes. We know that in the minor leagues in general, there was basically a shaving down, I believe, of 24, 25 minutes on average uh, from game to game uh, but with introduction of this clock. So I know this feels very anti-baseball. This was the one sport that didn't have a clock in it, and now we have one. But uh, what, what do you think about Kyle Tucker's comments about this You know, kind of giving advantage to the pitcher in this situation? One friend of mine would say, Kyle... Suck it up, Buttercup. 
Uh, maybe he's just a little grumpy having lost his salary arbitration hearing and not getting a $200 million extension. Hey, everyone gets his, his or uh, her opinion. Uh, there are going to be some growing pains. And we had the, the ninth inning of, what was it, Red Sox Braves end with a batter not ready to go for the automatic strike. But for this very early stage, I think so far so great. Under two infractions per game. So this is not cataclysmic that, oh, we're constantly having automatic balls called and automatic strikes and what a disgrace to the game. So there's a whole spring minus the World Baseball Classic. And in Kyle Tucker's case, he'll be part of that. So he'll lose two weeks of adjustment time because this is not part of the, the WBC. But uh, this is a great progressive change effort from a sport which gets battered for being stuck in the mud and old in its ways. Uh, and to Tucker's point that you're further benefiting the pitcher, that's one school of thought. You could also counter, well, the pitcher doesn't get time to really gather his thoughts and really get in sync with his catcher on what pitch he wants to throw and what location he's comfortable with. He can't wander around the mound and gather his thoughts and contemplate the meaning of life. And will pitchers be able to throw maximum effort starting pitchers four, five, six innings, I'd say seven, eight, but how often does that even happen anymore? Uh, if they have to crank it up at a much quicker pace. So I don't think this is huge advantage pitchers over the hitters at this very early stage. It's just an adjustment phase. Some hitters will take to it more like fish to water than others. If Kyle Tucker struggles early on, I'm sure he'll work it out. Yeah. And, he, you know, he had some adjustments with it, but I believe he got a hit in his first at bat. So obviously it didn't uh, didn't affect him too much. And, you know, I'm curious to see now the pitchers have the option where they can hit a button and call their own pitches. I haven't seen the Astros do that yet, but I saw them talk about it, that it could be something that they can implement going forward. So like Charlie pointed out, it's going to be adjustment for the pitchers, the catchers. They're not going to be able to to take forever and shake off they're they're just going to have to go with the game plan and, and hope for the best hitters too. And I'm glad I I'd rather watch hitting and pitching than guys adjust their batting gloves and wipe their hands in the dirt and, and, you know, play that game of stepping off. Then the other guy steps out of the box. Cause I don't want you to have something on me. Like let's just get out there and play. I, I like the new rule changes so far. What do you think it does for, Viewing, because I, I mean, to to Charlie's point, I think I think what's interesting is in in watching it uh, today, uh, fatigue could be an issue with pitchers that are working at a, a much faster pace than they're used to. But as a, as a viewer, uh, those that fatigue also is a thing where if if a if an inning's going too long, maybe you start scrolling on social media, you start seeing what else is on in your picture and picture or whatever the case may be. Does this make this more? appointment viewing because i know the game's at seven it's going to be over by nine i don't think it'll have a tectonic plate shift in that area i'll go more with every little bit helps Uh, i do think though in the postseason it could actually somewhat impact uh, the ratings where games are going three hours 45 minutes four hours on a regular basis now they're not going to trim commercial breaks for Fox or TBS or ESPN, but it's the pace of action within the game. It's the laid back sport. It's the family sport. It's the conversational sport. If you're at a ballpark under the starry skies on a beautiful night, but it doesn't mean we need 35 seconds between pitches batter stepping out every pitch or every other pitch to adjust the batting gloves or the cup or any other piece of equipment. Um, It's a liability for the sport has been, Attention spans societally are ever shrinking. 
Do I understand it? We're killing it on TikTok. How long do those last? It's just asking a whole lot from anybody about anything to on a night in, night out basis, commit more than three hours. And the average baseball game, three hours, seven minutes last season, actually three minutes shorter than the year before. There's no way a three to one or four to two major league baseball game as typical uh, should take more than two hours, 35, two hours, 40 minutes. To, if we get to that, I just think it's a much more palatable product. I don't think it'll spike attendance. But if you're a family uh, commuting from the Woodlands or up from Friendswood or in from Katy, and you're thinking, you know what, we can get home by 10, 10, 15, rather than 10, 45, 11 o'clock. I think for some people that does make a difference. Maybe the number of games they attend or on a school night or a work night if you're going to go. I mean, people who just don't like baseball, that's okay. They're more fundamentally flawed as human beings than the rest <laughs> of us. But if you don't like it, you don't like it, right? If the game took an hour and 45 minutes, you don't. Soccer's over without fail in two hours. Well, most people just don't like soccer. That's fine. Uh, but for those who like baseball, I don't see why a snappier pace of play can be a bad thing. Me neither. And I was just thinking about this. The Astros are a team when they hit, especially say, you know, they're leading off at the top of an inning with how often how Tuve goes after the first pitch and a lot of their other hitters. And now with the pitch clock, <laughs> some of these half innings can be over in like a minute. It's going to be pretty amazing to see how that goes. Max Scherzer struck out a guy in his first outing over the weekend. 27 seconds, I think, yeah. the entire bat. Strike mm -hmm. one, strike two, strike three. Uh, Scherzer, for what it's worth, loves the new rules, thinks it, it tips the balance of power to the pitcher. I, we'll see. We'll see over the long haul. Um, but uh, this, this, I don't want to call it a bold change. Uh, it's an overdue change. It's a, it's a significant change, but it's not going to fundamentally change how the, how the game is played. So here, here for trying it. And, uh, you know, we can pass judgment on an ongoing basis all season long. I think all, all three of us have been to a game together. When you go to the concession, if you go there in the first innings, there's sometimes when you don't get your stuff back and you're, you're like, if you're go in the top of the first, you're not sitting down until maybe the top of the second. Sometimes under this, under this new clock, you may miss even more of the game. So I guess the onus is on you to show up early and to get your concessions early. What I hope doesn't happen is we don't miss out on some of that drawn out drama that happens in the postseason. I don't need four hours of it. I think there is something in that drama, especially in that ninth inning where you're kind of hanging on every pitch. The ninth inning of, of Monday's game of Grapefruit League was just one, two, three <laughs> games over with, and you blink and, and the inning's over with. There's not really much drama to it, but maybe there's not. Maybe it was just perceived drama because of how long it took. Uh, another part of the drama is guys on base, and there's going to be presumably more of them because of the shift being banned this year. Uh, we got to see on Monday – Jose Altuve makes some splendid plays with the leather. What do you guys think the of the shift? What kind of impact are we going to see? Well, left-handed hitters should stand to gain more as a group than right-handed hitters. Uh, athletic middle infielders take on renewed increased value, and anything that adds athleticism to the sport, I think, is is a good thing. I just want to jump back quickly on the the postseason drama. Uh, I think I think this first season, unless it somehow gets totally out of hand they'll ride it out this way all the way or there's that doomsday scenario that well what if in a playoff game bases loaded three two in the ninth inning and the batter's one second late getting ready and that's the ball game um there's some malleability with this 
maybe they decide in the eighth and ninth innings, it's 20 seconds instead of 15 and 25 instead of 20. Uh, because there is something to be said for the drama, but not in the third and fourth inning. Uh, as an aside, have you guys seen the clip? Probably so. You're more uh, net savvy than I am. That uh, It was a Houston guy. I don't have his internet handle. But put together the clip of uh, the great former Astros reliever, Pablo Baez, uh, a few years ago as a Dodger, pitching to David Ross of the Cubs, the National League Championship Series. And here's the question. How many times can Jose Altuve hit the same inside-the-park home run before Baez throws one pitch to David Ross? So he insets Altuve from point of contact, uh, the game at Minute Maid Park where it gets in the left center and funny Karam, and Altuve circles the bases. So you have that in the bottom corner while Baez is stepping off looking at the runner at second. Then he does that wheel I'm going to try to pick you off, except I'm not going to throw it move to second. And then the batter steps out. And then Baez can't get copacetic with his catcher on the signs. By the time he threw the pitch, Altuve, seven times. He circled <laughs> the bases seven times. The same inside the park home run. In the third, fourth, fifth inning, that's not drama. That's deathly boring and stupid. Uh, eighth, ninth inning, maybe there's some give and take on this going forward. But you asked about shifts. Take it away, Josh. Well, it's interesting. We haven't seen a lot of that. I believe there was one warning of one of the players saying, make sure your, your heels aren't on the grass, make sure you're, you're on the dirt, but everybody's kind of riding that line and they don't seem to be harping on it too much. So I think it's been pretty smooth so far. And as far as what you're talking about with the clock, Charlie, to me, the playoffs are a different animal. You know, it's the regular season where, where all this stuff takes forever. And some of these games are, blowouts and and not all that meaningful that's when you you don't want to have these four-hour games but uh you know the the playoffs is going to be a different story that's where it's going to matter more i I think that was what was tucker was talking about too how you know maybe they'll adjust the rule to add an extra couple seconds or two you know as they're figuring this stuff out this year maybe this won't be permanent but i think it's a step in the right direction and the shift stuff i think that's good too and I know the Astros shift more than anybody, but they're going to be right there pushing the limits like a lot of teams. So I don't think it's going to make that big a difference. I'm actually looking forward to to all these rule changes, especially being able to throw over to first base and limiting that a little bit. That's where stuff gets ridiculous when it's it's guys you know aren't going to steal anyway, and they throw over there time and time again. I'm ready to move on from that stuff. Let's, Let's try something different. Even if guys are going to steal, I, it gets excessive with the amount of throws to first. So let them know that, you know, I, I, I definitely think that this is going to, um, and we've seen it functionally speed up the game. I think it's going to be once we get past this weird acclimation process and we're used to it, I think it'll be, you don't hear the players in the minors complaining about it. They're, they've adopted it and they're, you know, doing it right now, uh, you know, over the past season, and they have they have no issue with it. You don't hear them complaining about it. It's just the and guys allegedly. Yeah, and um, one of the one of the guys uh, mentions here more stolen bases with the new bags. That's another rule changes the bigger bag. Um, you know, I heard Blummer talk about something uh, during the game, which was interesting. Where everybody talks about, well, maybe this you know uh, allows you know the runners a few inches to be there sooner at a bag. But Blummer pointed out, well, the bags 
bigger in every direction. So that could allow for uh, time for a throw to get there quicker as well. If, if the guy's stretched out and the base is, is three inches bigger, that, you know, that's also <laughs> allows the ball to get there faster. I think the pitch clock almost leads to more stolen bases than will the bigger bags. I just think it's it's the simple math to do that, okay, from first base to second base is four and a half inches shorter. It's not going to turn games into track meets, but with everyone measuring how long it takes a pitcher to throw from the mound to home plate and the catcher to go from home plate to second base, uh, everyone will fine-tune it, crunch the numbers, and if they deem it smart baseball to try to run a little bit more, uh, but I don't think we're going to be seeing the, the streak in Strohs uh, with Jose Altuve stealing 40 bases like he was 25, 26 years old again. Um, but again, anything that lends itself to a little bit more action within the game, it's just going to be a different set of bang-bang plays. Home plate to first base is about three inches shorter because you know home plate's the same size, so you're not enlarging home plate. Um, but every play we saw last year that a guy was – out by an eyelash at first base, well, that eyelash will now be safe. Um, so batting averages should creep up. Stolen base success rate should creep up, but I think slightly, not, whoa, gravity's been turned upside down. Yeah, I think limiting the throws over to first base will jump up the stolen base opportunities more than any other rule. I mean, if you know he can't throw over again or it's a balk or he has to pick you off, a lot of guys are going to be taken off. Speaking of taking off, James Click uh, took off over the offseason and has landed in uh, Toronto. He has been hired as the vice president of baseball strategy for the Blue Jays. So congrats to James Click. I would I would recommend his top strategy being their team to outscore the other team. I always find that a top strategy in baseball is to have more points than the other team. That's just a free bit of advice, James Click. It, obviously, it's it's really hard to tell what uh, his impact really will be for the Blue Jays. But I would just say if the Texans are the Patriots South, it certainly feels like the Blue Jays are Astros North. Charlie, you have any thoughts on James Click landing in Toronto? Well, good for him. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong other than having a professional personality conflict. I don't know if it went beyond that with, with Jim Crane. But Jim Crane wanted someone else. James Click had a very snappy run here, capped by winning the World Series. The man acquired Rafael Montero and Kendall Graveman for Abraham Toro and Joe Smith. Uh, I'd go with that. Uh, James is my line one Astros GM epitaph. You know, the tenure that he had with the Rays, I see you bucking for assistant vice president of baseball strategy there. I don't exactly know what that means in terms of analytics or what he will be recommending apart from the general manager and all their other uh, observers. Um, and is this a, a temp job to become a GM and run a baseball operation somewhere else? Or is vice president of baseball strategy the next big deal position uh, in, in major league front offices? So uh, good for both parties. Crane uh, hired a, a tremendously credentialed candidate in Dana Brown who gets a shot to run the baseball show. And it uh, took a little bit longer, and he's not running the show, but James Click lands on his feet with a, a swanky new title. 
Yeah, I think uh, baseball strategy, their strategy is going to be uh, tell us all the stuff the Astros do that works and tell us where we're missing on some of these things. I can just see this, you know, like the Patriots would sign a guy for a week just to <laughs> have him tell you about their playbook and then they cut the guy. I think the Blue Jays might be uh, hitting up James Click for some Astro secrets as well. They should. Astros know what they're doing and he's one of their employees now. And hey, I'm just glad he didn't go over to the Yankees. So. You know, we appreciate Click. He helped bring us a World Series, helped get the Jordan deal done, even though, you know, that's more of a crane thing. He was the GM at the time, so we have to give him credit for that. So, you know, best of luck to him, except for when they play the Astros. I hope they lose every game. And when the Blue Jays hit town, we can now look forward to that emotional embrace of Jim Crane as the guy presenting Click with his World Series ring. There you go. You mentioned something, man, this I'm going to do a faux pas here and jump back to the previous topic, but you mentioned the Ash, but the, the Yankees, and it reminded me that I didn't bring this up with the shift being banned. The Yankees suffered mightily uh, defense uh, at shortstop and uh, you know, where they, that was kind of a, a carousel of, of guys, well, probably not as much as they would like with IKF struggling as much as he did in that spot. You'd think shortstop specifically, that would be a, uh, a big spot in which the Yankees might uh, n- not love the, the shift being banned and them having to rely on guys uh, more defensively. I do digress. Uh, the other big bit of news was Manny Machado has signed with uh, San Diego, finalizing an 11-year, $350 million contract. Guys, on this channel, we've talked about a lot about the Alex Bregman situation and whether Alex Bregman will get an additional extension from Houston. We know Dana Brown has already said he thinks Altuve and Bregman should both retire as Astros. How much does this complicate Bregman retiring as an Astro? <laughs> Alex Bregman had a really good weekend, uh, theoretically. Uh, I guess one moral of the story, it's great to be a multi-billionaire because this Peter Seidler, who's the lead guy uh, with the Padres, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, that is a bottom third media market. But when you're worth however many billion dollars, it's one thing for Steve Cohen to do it with the Mets and the number one market and more money than all the other owners. Uh, Seidler doesn't swim quite that deeply uh, in the in the uh, end uh, that end of the pool, uh, but he's filthy rich, and he said, you know, you can't take it all with you. And uh, maybe seven generations from now, one of my great 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 is that seven grandchildren may actually have to get a job. Um, but what they have laid out in succession. And is Juan Soto to come? Or is, is that the one bullet they're not going to uh, bite on? Uh, all right. The early indications are, no, no, no. We intend to sign Juan Soto, and that's probably over $400 million. So here, here for the Padres, uh, they probably see, hey, we're the only game in town now post-Chargers. Um, great fan base. Fifth in MLB in attendance, despite being a smaller market, certainly an uh, affluent market. Um, so I applaud the, the Padres. They've never won a World Series. Uh, but my goodness, on the money uh, and the length of the contracts, right? Bogarts is signed in his 40s. I mean, at least Tatis's only, only takes him to 36 or whatever it is. But Machado was going to opt out after this year, right? He'd had five years, 150 left. Well, this nets out, they extend him five years beyond what he would have had left. Starting at age 36, five years, 170 mil. 
So that's 34 million per year for new money covering ages 36 through 40. He'll turn 41. Uh, Machado is not quite two years older than Alex Bregman. So when Bregman gets to free agency two years from now, basically the same point at which Machado is now. Now there's a clear reality. Unless the script reflips this year, Manny Machado is better than Alex Bregman. He's been a markedly better player three years in a row now. Uh, but if Bregman gets back to being 2018, 2019 Alex Bregman, well, damn sure the price of poker has gone up for Jim Crane and the Astros because you look at this entire offseason and Alex Bregman's thinking, okay, well, that price of poker now is uh, you sign me till I'm 40 and uh, the average annual pay is probably going to start at least in the high 20s, if, if not into the 30s. <laughs> this is not good. I I think maybe it was Chandler Rome that pointed it out. It, it's probably going to be easier to get an Altuve extension done than Bregman after we see this hit, just you know, with their difference in age. And we know Jim Crane. He doesn't like these types of contracts. We think Kyle Tucker is going to want something similar. I know Dana Brown's telling him, buckle up. This is This is the way it's going. And it kind of makes sense for the Braves because look what they have to compete against with in the National League. But yeah, if that's the type of money Bregman's going to want, you know, Scott Boris is his agent. If, if he continues playing this well, somebody's going to give him that contract. So it, it doesn't look great. But I, I can't say I'd be mad. I, I don't want to be handing out eleven-year, three hundred fifty million dollar contracts. It, they often just don't work out. Yeah, especially for a thirty-year-old. Yeah, and no thanks. You know, if, if that's what Bregman wants, God bless. But. No, I mean, as much as we love Bregman, as great as he was last year, the back half of the season, he was back to his his career averages. So that was great to see. But Bregman's had his fair share of injuries, too. And an 11-year contract, that that scares me a little bit. Yeah, Rafael Devers, much younger, 26 years old, as, as he got his uh, double-digit years extension uh, with the Red Sox one year away from free agency. This is going to be a test. For Jim Grant Crane, there's no no obligation that, well, you're cheaping out if you're not going to sign a guy until he's 40 at 30 million dollars per year. Um, because Jim Crane has been so disciplined and it has been one of the Astros strengths in managing higher end payrolls, not having the albatross contracts. But Jim Crane's in his late 60s. He is in the best of ways, bloodthirsty to win and keep on winning. So... If the Astros keep on winning in seven, ten years from now, is he still owning the team, actively owning the team? Maybe so. But uh, the Astros are you know, more than halfway through a decade that can stand there with the greatest decades that any franchise has ever put up. Right? Four World Series trips, two wins in six years. What if over the next five years they go to two more and – win one or two more. Um, you know, I'm sure Jim Crane, everything has its price, including legacy. Uh, I would think Jim Crane, to an extent, would get off on the idea of being thought of as one of the most successful owners of a professional sports franchise anywhere, ever. But there are always going to be limits. You need to be wa- uh, willing to walk away from the table. Uh, but I will, uh, again, throw in the default. You can take on $25, $30, $40 million per year in operating losses, and no billionaire likes that notion. But when you bought a franchise for $610 million and can sell it for, say, $3 billion, you can make back those annual losses and then some, 
at any time you choose to. Yeah, and we talked about that last week where it's that that's if your baseball team is looking and they're focused on year-to-year revenue and profit, they're typically not going to be a team that's winning. Um, the Astros are built, as it stands right now, on young, cheap help. Uh, they've traded away picks. Um, some of the picks haven't worked out. They lost first and second rounders in 20 and uh, 21 because of the sign ceiling scandal. Uh, considering the contracts that are now being given out, considering the state of the farm system, where relying upon all that young, cheap help doesn't seem sustainable. Uh, we saw, you know, the Padres have given up massive contracts, the Mets, the Yankees. At, at what point does Jim Crane have to reconsider his stance or his discipline on, on these long-term contracts? When they stop uh, winning. I think the rubber so hits the road two years from <laughs> yeah. now, when both Altuve and Bregman are up. You're going to pay Altuve $30 million per year when he's 40. And then you have a, the, the subplot of countdown 3,000. Uh, but that doesn't help you win games. Yeah. Right. And Craig Biggio was a doozy of a sideshow, but the team stunk and was getting ready to enter in a phase of extended stink before the full blown teardown. Um, right? Bregman theoretically should still be in the heart of his prime or, you know, just barely to the back end of his prime at age 30. Uh, if you don't have replacements ready to go, if you don't have the overall caliber of a roster beyond Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez to, I don't want to just say shrug off losing George Springer, shrug off losing Carlos Correa and Garrett Cole. Uh, but the Astros, for 29 other teams' tastes, obnoxiously talent-rich in this era to be able to, to pull that off and sustain. Um, will they be in that same place two years from now? Dana Brown better have a, a hell of a couple of first drafts in charge, picking at the bottom of the first round, if you're going to be where you can replenish from within with some high, high-end talent, right? Role players are great and valuable. It's like intangibles only matter if you, they're, they're backing tangibles, right? Role players and quality depth only really matter if they're amplifying and surrounding the stars who do the heaviest lifting. Yeah, and they seem to be so invested in their pitching, right? Because it worked last year. Best bullpen, the staff was amazing, We'll see if that changes this year. Verlander's gone. Will Fromber be as good as he was last year? Christian Javier steps into a new role. Charlie hit on it that we're going to see Stanek's contract up after this year. Hector Neris's contract will be up. So if the pitching starts to slip a little bit, you wonder if that, that might change the way Crane looks at things. Maybe I do need to pay Fromber, or maybe I do need to lock up some more offense with a guy like Tucker. So I think this year, and with Jordan, is his hand going to be right for the majority of this season? Does McCullers have a normal? There's a lot up in the air in just this particular season that I could really, this could hinge a lot of things on this, that it could change the way they do business, or if it works again, then why screw with it if it's working? Yeah, I think I think your first answer was the right one, Josh. And that's when they stop winning. That that I think that is when they'll even consider pivoting. But coming off of a World Series and coming off of six, six straight Elite Championship Series, it's really hard to argue with the formula. And just like a contemporary baseball game, this show has flown by. Uh, so that takes us to our bottom line question of the week: Which Astro gets extended first? Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve. And Framber Valdez, out of those three, which Astro gets extended first by 
downtown Dana Brown. Altuve. I'm going to go with Fromber here. I, we've seen Jim Crane. He will spend on pitching. We've seen him spend on Verlander even after he got burned. So I'm going to go with Fromber. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Altuve as well. And that's just because of, I think, his he desire. And we've each had a horse. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not that interesting. I think the the idea of Altuve already voicing the fact that he wants to to retire as an Astro, I think is a pretty good indication of that deal's easier to get done. It's an amazing thing that we're seeing. We're, we're seeing guys, I think, break down a little earlier. There's, there's some few exceptions of guys who are uh, lasting into their 40s, at least pitching-wise. Uh, we're not seeing that from position players, and yet guys are regularly now getting extended into contracts that take them into their 40s. So it, it's a wild time. Uh, maybe they think all of these quick games will equate to longevity with the players, but that is our uh, bottom line question of the week. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Until next time, guys, we appreciate it. Go Astros.